Hi, this is Brent White. It's Tuesday, March 13th, and this is devotional podcast number 21. You're listening to Don't Bring Me Down, a top five hit song for the Electric Light Orchestra in 1979. I recorded this from their album, Discovery. And I thought of this song because I'm going to be talking about a subject that is often considered to be a downer, at least among most people. It is a downer that we are helpless sinners, that we deserve God's wrath, and that apart from a miraculous intervention of God, we are bound for an eternity in hell. And I'm going to talk about this downer of a subject as it relates to the most popular verse in the Bible, which is John 3.16. And this may surprise you because it doesn't seem like John 3.16 is a downer at all. People love this verse. If you go to a major sporting event, for instance, you might see a sign or a banner hanging from the upper deck guardrails that reads, John 3.16. Heisman winner Tim Tebow famously wrote John 3.16 in his eye black when he and his team won the 2009 National Championship. Professional wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin and his fans often wore apparel emblazoned with the slogan Austin 3.16. I'm not sure why, come to think of it, but he's referring to this verse. If you go to the famous West Coast fast food chain, In-N-Out Burger, and look at the bottom of their soft drink cups, you will see John 3.16 printed in small letters on the inside rim. When Christians display the words, John 3.16, it's as if they're saying, this is all you need to know. And I hardly disagree with them. If John 3.16 isn't the most important verse in the Bible, it is at least, in my opinion, the one verse that best summarizes the gospel message, if not the entire Bible. The verse's fame is well earned. I have so much I want to say about this one verse, so I'm going to spend the next few podcasts talking about it reflecting on some of the key words in this verse. But before I get into it, I want to clear up a misunderstanding about this verse, which is this, that John 3.16 is a Bible verse for beginners, for baby Christians, or especially for those who aren't yet Christians at all. That John 3.16 is something we need to hear before we're converted, before we believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And then after we're converted, after we're born again, after we're justified, that is, after God forgives us of all our sins and imputes Christ's righteousness to us, then John 3.16 is something that we can sort of leave in our past. Sure, it becomes a pleasant reminder of what God has done for us in the past. But we ourselves, having understood already how much God loves us and what he did for us through Jesus to give us eternal life, we don't really need John 3.16 anymore. That verse is something for other people, not for us. 
This attitude, I'm afraid, is especially prevalent among the Christians uh, with whom I am most familiar, the ones who are called Methodists. We Methodists like to focus on the doctrine of sanctification. Sanctification is what the Holy Spirit does in the believer's life after he or she comes to saving faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit begins changing us from within, giving us power to resist and overcome sin in our lives, giving us power to love God and neighbor more completely, giving us power to become holy people. That's sanctification. And again, Methodists place a strong emphasis on this doctrine. It's not for nothing that the holiness movement in the 19th century came out of the Methodist church and then Pentecostalism developed a little bit later from there. Because from the beginning, we Methodists have emphasized the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And it begins with our doctrine of sanctification. However, without contradicting anything I just said, without denigrating the doctrine of sanctification, without denying for a moment the power of the Holy Spirit to change us from within and work in powerful ways in the lives of believers, let me add this one important qualification. None of us not a single Christian alive right now will become so holy in this life that we won't need to be reminded continually that we are justified. In other words, we are helpless sinners who, apart from the atoning work of God's son Jesus on the cross, deserve God's wrath. That apart from Christ, we would be bound for hell That it's always only because of Christ that any of us is ever saved. But you might say, don't bring me down, Pastor Brent. All this emphasis on sin, on God's wrath, on judgment, on hell, who needs it? Well, I do. Because I need to constantly remind myself of the kind of person that I am, the sinner that I am, and the lengths to which God has gone to save me out of love. Let's look at the very first word in this verse, the one that we usually overlook when we quote it, the word for. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That, of course, is from a modern translation, the English Standard Version. We're more familiar with the King James Version. Anyway, the little three-letter word at the beginning of that, that verse, for, points back to what Jesus had just been saying in the previous couple of verses. In other words, what Jesus says in John 3.16 and following explains, expounds upon, clarifies what Jesus has just been saying in the previous verses. So let's look at verses 14 and 15 of John chapter 3. And here's what Jesus has just said. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
This may sound strange to some of us, but Nicodemus, the credentialed Bible scholar to whom Jesus is speaking these words, he would have understood exactly what Jesus was referring to. He was referring to Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9. There, the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness with Moses for almost 40 years. They are nearing the promised land. The older generation that left Egypt has mostly died off at this point. Now, a younger generation is complaining to Moses in a way that feels familiar, at least if we've read the book of Exodus. They say to Moses, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. The the worthless food refers to the manna from heaven by which God had sustained their lives for the past 40 years. Next comes the snake part of the story. But... I'll save that for the next podcast. I want us to focus instead um, on the Israelites grumbling. In so many words, these Israelites were telling Moses, and more importantly, they were telling God, we don't trust you to lead us. We don't trust you to take care of us. We don't like what you've given us. We want something else. We think we know better than you, God what we need for our lives, for our happiness, for our welfare. Now, this hits close to home with me. As an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, I am an itinerant pastor. That means each year I either get reappointed to my existing church or I get appointed to another church or group of churches. I've been at my current church, Hampton United Methodist, for five years. In this June, I will be packing up my family and moving somewhere else, only I don't know where yet. And this transition time has filled me with apprehension and dread and resentment. Why? Because I'm worried about my career. Am I getting ahead or am I falling behind? Will my next appointment be good for my career or not? Will it look good in the eyes of friends and acquaintances? Will it look good in the eyes of my fellow clergy? Will it impress people? I'm going to a 30-year class reunion, God willing, in late June. Will my next appointment measure up in the eyes of my classmates when I explain to them what I do? do for a living? I ask these questions because over the past few weeks of uncertainty, I've realized something ugly about myself. I've realized that I need to feel good about my career in order to feel good about myself. God help me, it's true. I need my career to justify me. I need my career to save me, at least a little bit. I mean, not completely, of course. I mean, I know I need Jesus for eternal life, but I'm talking about life right now. Right now, I'm feeling hungry and thirsty. Right now, I feel like I'm dying in the desert. Right now, I'm thinking, back there in Egypt, didn't I have plenty to 
to eat and drink. This sinful, idolatrous, selfish ambition I feel for my career. It's my own personal Egypt. Maybe you have a personal Egypt too. What is it that you want instead of what God wants to give you? Whatever that is, maybe that's your Egypt. So, I need help. <laughs> I need to find a solution to this crisis. God needs to help me out of this crisis. Here's what I need. Even though I've been a Christian for about 34 years now, the solution is this. I need John 3.16. I need to be reminded of John 3.16 again. Because if this verse is true, it means that I don't need something like a career or any other person, place, or thing to feel good about myself. What I need is this. For God so loved the world, the sinful world, including me within that world. He loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son. God gave his son. This was an undeserved gift of God's mercy. He didn't need to give the gift. I certainly didn't deserve for him to do it. I didn't earn the gift. I can't begin to pay for it. But he gave it anyway. It didn't depend on who I was or what I accomplished in my past or what my future holds. He gave the gift completely uh, as a gift of grace. And why did he give the gift of his son? So that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever is a singular word, not plural, whosoever means that I am eligible for this gift of eternal life. It means that this gift doesn't get more personal than that. Think about it. God the Son came into the world to rescue me. God the Father sent his Son into the world to rescue me so that I would not Perish. In other words, I do not get the God-forsaken death, the judgment, the wrath of God, and the hell that I deserve. Instead, I'll get everlasting life or eternal life, as modern translations put it. This isn't just life that never ends, although it includes that. <laughs> it's a quality of life that we may possess even now when we entrust our lives to Christ. But this gift of eternal life also means this. I am infinitely valuable to God. Why do I say that? Because God paid an infinite price, the very life of his son Jesus on a cross, so that I could be a part of his family forever, so that I could be with him forever. God did not want to lose me because he loved me that much. Can you believe it? Sinner that I am, somehow God decided to send his son into the world and to suffer and die on a cross. And even worse than the spikes in his hands and the spike in his feet, he, he experienced separation from God, which is 
which is literally hell itself. He experienced that. He was willing to go through with that because God loved Brent White that much. And God loves you that much. Can you believe it? And and if this is true, if this is true, what on earth makes me think that I need a certain kind of job to feel good about myself? What's wrong with me? Needless to say, I have not outgrown John 3.16. Not at all. And I'll bet you haven't either. Anyway, I'll continue this discussion um, of of John 3.16 next time. See you then.